Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. It is January 22nd. It's been a week. I've unmuted my mic for the for the folks on the streaming platforms. We're streaming live to the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the Twitters. We're on the Twitter spaces. We're going to open it up if anybody on the Twitter spaces has some thoughts that they want to share in a little bit uh, once we finished our, our sort of recap of the last four days. Um, if, if you got some thoughts that you want to share, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. What a week in Alberta politics. We're going to start with the light stuff and kind of work our way up in intensity and um, Richter scale as we go. To start with, we're going to go with something nice and, and simple. Let's talk about the, the carbon tax. Daniel Smith campaigned heavily on the carbon tax. She talked about how it's evil and it's very bad. And she was going to absolutely take the federal government's court was going to be one of the first things that she did because it was so very bad. And she believed that she had a strong legal argument. Well, it came up again as well did a couple of other things on her weekly radio show, which to the surprise of many did go ahead yesterday. Here's what she had to say about the carbon tax. The advice I was given is that the Supreme court is not inclined to review a case unless there's been some time between when they make their judgment and when we need to reassess. Um, so the guidepost is you, you can't really just keep on litigating things once it's been decided by the Supreme Court. You've got, to, you've got to have new information. I think we have new information. We've got an affordability crisis. We've got an energy security price crisis. But I, I think we want to make sure that we're in a position to be able to win that. So in the meantime, we have just called on the federal government uh, to, to pause their increases. They're planning a 300% increase in the carbon tax by 2030, supported by the federal NDP. They have a coalition agreement that includes just transitioning our workers out of the out of the industry as part of their um, as part of their coalition agreement. But the other part of the coalition agreement is increasing. The, the fuel tax that is causing so much harm here by 300%. And yeah. so we, we have called on them to, to not do that. We've actually called on uh, the opposition leader to work with her federal leader to to, uh, to rescind that, that call as well. They, she has the, I think if she wants to demonstrate that she's got some power, she should demonstrate that she has influence over Jagmeet Singh, get him to drop the just transition legislation and get him to rescind his call for a 300% increase in the carbon tax. That would make a real difference to people. And the mean, so this is a political solution, I'm afraid. So it's a political solution. She needs Rachel Notley to do her homework, apparently, because uh, Daniel Smith doesn't have the relationship with the federal government for some reason to, to make the, the appeal. Please hold off on that 300% increase. Never mind the fact that it's not just the carbon tax that's going to be rising by 300%. It's also the rebates. So for the vast majority of people who actually, most Canadians, most Albertans, they actually come out ahead in regards to how much rebate they get versus how much they pay for carbon tax. They actually make a little bit of money on the rebate. And it's going to be going up at the same rate that the carbon tax is. So it's not going to make any major differences, uh, even if there is that that increase, because people will continue to get the rebates at that 300% increased rate. She talked about the just transition, so I have to say it again. It's not just transition. It's... <laughs> It's not the Nike swoosh. It's not just do it. It's just as in justice, as in just society. And the just transition is not about shutting down oil and gas. People have been very, very clear about that. The just transition is simply about, hey, there are major changes coming to the energy sector. And if y'all don't retrain some of your workers, you're going to have a bunch of people who don't have skills that they need to work in the new energy economy. The federal government is saying, hey, maybe we should have a program to take care of that, help you out with that. But 
Daniel Smith is putting all of the emphasis on the wrong syllable and making it all about just transition. Like it's some sort of ridiculous scolding. Moving on from there. The meds arrived. Oh, finally. Some of you might remember beginning of December, Daniel Smith, Jason Copping stood up in a pharmacy, beat the heck out of a lectern, calling it a lectern because I'm not going to get uh, scolded on Twitter again for calling it a podium. You stand on a podium. You stand behind a lectern. Um, they announced that they were going to be spending an unknown amount of money to buy 5 million bottles of uh, children's Tylenol, children's ibuprofen from a company that didn't actually make it. They just made the precursors, but they'd worked out a deal. They were going to get approval for this brand new product that wasn't actually approved to be sold or or distributed in Canada. And they were going to make sure it was here before Christmas. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Didn't get here before Christmas. But we did see the arrival of 250,000 bottles. You can see the picture here, the tweet. Jason Copping, he's standing in a plane. 250,000 bottles. Desperately needed, except not really. Because the 250,000 bottles that we're talking about are 250,000 bottles that didn't have the child-proof caps that are required for over-the-counter medications, and they didn't have the correct labeling that's required to put them in stores or to sell them to the rest of Canada. There's been a lot of people who have said, hey, you know what, these uh, the, the labels, it's no big deal. Why are we upset about the labels? Everybody speaks English in Alberta. First of all, that's not true, and I'm sure that Sarah's blood pressure is already rising as I say that, but... Secondary to that, part of the plan for these meds was always, hey, you know what? We're going to buy this great big bulk order at a premium, and then we're going to get the rest of Canada to buy some. Well, if you don't have the labels, you don't have the childproof caps, ain't nobody going to buy them. But they needed to do something with the 250000 that they started with. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give it to hospitals, even though there's never been any reports of any shortages of children's Tylenol or ibuprofen in hospitals because they can compound their own. We're going we're gonna to bring these bottles into the healthcare system. I'm sure there's no deals with any current distributors who are going to be at all annoyed that they've had their products displaced for the foreseeable future. And who knows how long this stuff is going to last. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a... They tried to take a victory lap on it, but unfortunately, some other stuff happened this week. We're going to get to the big one in just a little bit. But before we do, there was another big one. Because one of the other things Daniel Smith campaigned on bigly was uh you know what we're gonna do a COVID inquiry we're gonna take a look at what happened we're gonna see what went wrong where did the the experts fail us how did they how did they fail us there's been a lot of talk about this it's been kind of controversial because some of the names that keep popping up are a little bit uh let's go with problematic but we got an announcement this week we know who the chair is and it's uh it's pretty interesting Preston Manning, looking only slightly like he's back from the dead, is slightly back from the dead. It was announced this week, Daniel Smith's mentor, they go way back, an ex-leader of the Reform Party, Preston Manning, was chosen to head up the province's inquiry into COVID-19 response. Now, there's there's some problems right from the start, okay? The first problem is Manning's the chair, and... In an unusual turn of events, he gets to a point, he gets to choose himself all of the other members of the panel. There's some questions to be asked there because Manning doesn't have an extensive background in, in healthcare. 
uh, he does have a background in politics. He does have a background in saying some inflammatory things, but he doesn't have a background in healthcare. He's not a practicing lawyer. So when it comes to the assessment of the legal side, maybe not the, 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 the most qualified guy in the room. But this is the one that Daniel Smith felt it was critically important that she went with. And she did also clarify on her radio show this week why she felt it was so important to go with Preston Manning. I wanted to make sure it was somebody who was of high stature, who knows how, how to do this, who's been in the public eye, so that people could have confidence in the outcome. And when you ask somebody who's a high-profile person to give up everything else that they're doing, sometimes you, you have to be willing to pay for it. So I, I, I acknowledge the, <clears throat> the concern that was raised, but I think from a, a future, uh, from, from the point of view of making sure that we've got robust processes in future, I think we needed to have someone of his stature in the position. Had to have someone of a stature. Super important. He's a tall man, I guess. Um, but you got to pay if you want the product. We know that. We just talked about the children's beds. We paid a premium for that. We're paying a premium to pull Preston Manning away from whatever it was that he was working on, which kind of gets to the, the, the next question. What was Preston Manning working on? Well, for a while now, he's been talking about how he wants to have a citizen's inquiry, a real grassroots endeavor where he's going to put together this panel of people who are going to do a, a look into everything that went wrong with the pandemic. He's been talking about it for a while. He actually launched it back in November. So he announced there was going to be a national citizens inquiry into Canada's COVID-19 measures. And some of the things that he, he predicated this stuff on had to do with a survey that they had done. Now, this survey was uh, uh, conducted by uh, their, their little group. Uh, they, they surveyed 1,533 people across Canada. And they said, hey, how was COVID for you? And they had some, some fun with numbers. And they said, well, 74% of people said they did not enjoy their COVID experience, which isn't that surprising given that we're talking about a global natural disaster. But when you take a look at the numbers, it's particularly interesting. This is, by the way, the highest quality graphic that we could pull off of their website. The, the fuzziness, I don't know, maybe... There's some things, but they broke it down into three categories. So the, the first question that they asked was among the four categories of negative impact. So out of the gates, they're already defining for you what the four categories of negative impact were, which was the one you and your family experienced most seriously. One option was none. And shockingly, 26% of Canadians who were surveyed of this 1,500 people across the entire country uh, of varying geography, 26% they weren't affected negatively at all. They're fine. No big deal. 74% picked one of the other four options. So this survey presented people with four options. And then if you wanted to, you could choose none at the end. And then they added together all of the four options and said 74%. They didn't like their COVID experience. That very clearly means something is horribly, horribly wrong. Now, there's a couple of things that we have to be very clear about. So first of all, not only is this a very small survey, this is not a great survey when we're, we're talking about the, the makeup and the representation of the entire country of Canada. But it is what pollsters would call a push-pull. The question is formulated in such a way that it predisposes people to give an answer that works for the poll. It's a small poll. It's a small survey. It's a poorly constructed one. 
but it's the one that uh, that Mr. Manning used to uh, justify this national COVID uh, investigation. Now, the same National Citizens Inquiry includes a link, and it comes up in the the press conference as well that that Mr. Manning did, where when he announced that uh, he was he was doing this thing, and it's uh, it's quite the little read. Um, it's it's almost as if somebody took like a you know what we need for COVID. We need like a, a freedom-loving Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction version. That's what we need to put together. So Mr. Manning wrote this, like, it's like 45 pages of fiction. And it's clearly stated right out at the front. This is what he imagines could happen. This is what he believes could happen if people drank his particular brand of Kool-Aid. And there are some pretty alarming conclusions that come up in it. So, for example, there's a fictional distinguished medical academic, and he, Mr. Manning quotes him, saying, in a time of further enlightenment into the issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, we have seen a new kind of discrimination emerge that has distinguished the vaccinated from the unvaccinated, which has created a medical apartheid. It gets even more interesting. Enlisting and quoting alternative science and medical information from sources such as the Barrington Declaration, the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. That's important. We're coming to that in a minute. And the Social Science Research Network, the commission made it clear it was not necessarily endorsing the representations of any of sources, only maintaining that they represented legitimate scientific positions worthy of consideration and discussion by governmental authorities and the public rather than denunciation and cancellation. No, they did deserve denunciation and cancellation. The Great Barrington Declaration, if you take a look at some of the signatures, the names of the signatories that are on there, A, they don't exist, and some of them are straight up farcical and satirical. Also talked about when politicians and healthcare, the, the, the big question that comes at the end that Mr. Mr. Manning poses to his audience in his Fifty Shades of COVID, whether the politicians and healthcare bureaucrats responsible for the mismanagement of the COVID pandemic should be held financially liable and or criminally responsible for the damages suffered by hundreds of thousands of people, communities, businesses, and other organizations as a result of the inactions and actions by the government of Canada in response to the pandemic. This is the dude that Daniel Smith picked to, uh, to put together the commission questioning the legality of what was done. Now there's some other things that are included in there uh, in this, in this work of fiction. He, he supposes that, you know what? It's entirely possible. All those flags that were there, the Nazi flags, the, uh, the rebel flags, even though that person's since been identified and has doubled down on their position. Um, they were, uh, maybe they were paid protesters. Maybe it was all, all just a front. Now, one of the other things that happened is during his launch, um, Manning also talked about the type, the specific type of uh, testimony that he would like to see come forth at his inquiry. It's worth taking a listen to. 
Well, one thing in the, on this website, one of the background items is that there was a group in Toronto in June that conducted a, a sort of a test hearing, what would happen if you had public hearings for three days. They, they had 60 different uh, people testify, most of them for 10 minutes, on what the effects were on them. Th 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 those testimonies covered a, quite a range. It wasn't just negative health impacts. It was the rights and freedoms, the social, um, economic. But the ones that did testify on the health impacts, there were two categories. W one was from people that felt that the the lengthening of the waiting lines were people suffering from something other than COVID. Uh, people that had people die on the waiting lines because of our incapacity of our system to handle uh, a surge in demand, that that was a negative health impact as a result of the, the COVID restrictions. And then others were on the subject of adverse effects from the uh, vaccines. But I, I would think from, from what we've seen thus far, those are probably the two types of testimonies with respect to health impacts. Those would be the two types of testimonies he wants to hear. He loved what that group did. Hey, who was that group? Remember how we mentioned in his fan fiction how much he loved the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. Look, they've got a website. It's got a picture of a doctor smiling. She's holding a clipboard. It's got to be good. She looks really friendly. It's independent, science-based evidence to empower Canadians. Well, if it's independent and science-based, you know that it's got to be good, right? So who are they? Well, that's a whole other set of questions. Let's let one of their leaders, one of their head organizers, get us started. This is Sonia Anderson speaking on a, an Alberta-based podcast. Uh, Canadian COVID Care Alliance came about in March uh, of 2021. And uh, it, it started off because a group of people were concerned that uh, a lot of early treatment drugs uh, weren't being utilized here in Canada and well and around the world were being overlooked. And there were drugs that there were a, an awful lot of studies that had gone into them, people that are frontline clinicians that were having great success with them. And uh, it was a group of doctors and scientists that kind of all found each other organically. And then Peter McCullough, you know, helped to get get many of them together as well. So um, they, they came together in March. Now, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Before we get into the name that got dropped there, I just want to go back a sec and uh, talk about the, the disclaimer that exists on that website. The big, uh, big button right in the middle there. You can see it says, uh, please read our website disclaimer. Big red. Hey, you should probably look at this thing. And there's good reason for that because the disclaimer is very clear. The information contained or presented on this website is presented solely for educational purposes, only on matters of interest for the personal use of the reader who accepts full responsibility for its use. The information is provided with the understanding that the authors and publishers are not herein engaged in rendering medical, pharmaceutical, nutritional, mental health, legal, or other professional advice or services. But wait, it's independent science-based evidence to empower Canadians. I'm so confused. Let's move on. We name dropped somebody there. Peter McCullough. Who's Peter McCullough? Well, he used to be a board certified physician. He's not anymore. He had his board certifications removed. He was stripped of them because he has repeatedly and willfully against the advice and the recommendations of the people who are involved in medicine, those boards, the same boards that certify, they warned him. They said, Pete, you got to slow down, man. The things that you're saying, they're just not true. 
and you're hurting people. Please stop lying. Peter refused to. He had his stuff uh, all stripped. If you go to the Wikipedia entry for Peter McCullough, one of the things that he's famous for is misinformation, disinformation, and falsehoods. That's literally in his bio on his Wikipedia page. So disgraced Peter McCullough was the catalyst for them forming. The CCA was formed largely because they wanted access to these treatments that they couldn't get access to. Anybody want to guess what we're talking about? Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Because of course they were. So who is, uh, who is Sonia Anderson? Well, let's let her again explain for herself. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I come from more of a citizen activist, uh, more of a, a government relations type person. I really think that it's important to engage with uh, political officials because what most people don't understand is that at the end of the day, they're just human beings. They're just people like you and me. And what they really need is to be educated on a lot of the issues. So none of them are experts in virology or immunology. And, and certainly when, you know, COVID came along, they, they had questions. So we had people that were reaching out to us from government. And uh, so we decided within uh, the CCCA to develop a government relations committee so that we could answer those types of questions. So we really try to connect uh, government officials with um, scientists, doctors from across the country. So they cherry pick scientists and doctors that they put in front of politicians in order to try to inform them. And she's not wrong. We've talked about on the show before that politicians are not experts. Good politicians listen to the experts that they have. This was one of the biggest complaints in Alberta during the whole pandemic, rather than allowing the experts to drive the show. And the legal cases have since demonstrated that they should have more rather than allow the chief medical officer of health to fulfill her role as she's supposed to under the law. We had Jason Kenney stepping up with a whiteboard and trying to educate us all. Because it wasn't about what are the experts. It was about, look at me. So, Sonia, she, uh, she, she's not wrong. Politicians should listen to experts. But they should listen to actual experts, not people who are pushing an agenda and providing their own experts based on that agenda. But let's get back to that three-day event. Because that interview that you just saw, that was filmed at the three-day event um, that Sonia and the Canadian COVID Care Alliance organized. Now, the testimonial list, you can go on their website, and the testimonial list is a smorgasbord of people claiming vaccine injury, bizarre legal opinions, despite the fact that they have no legal background whatsoever. And, of course, included members of, wait for it, the Alberta Prosperity Project. Because, of course, it did. In fact, one of them is the one who was in the very first clip that we played. The gentleman in that very first clip is none other than Leighton Gray. He's heavily involved with the Alberta Prosperity Project. Uh, and some of you might remember he got into a little bit of hot water a little while ago when Doug Schweitzer was still the, the justice minister. Leighton Gray was covered by the CCC for sharing social media posts from Russian sources, no less, that claimed the European Human Rights Court had been co-opted by George Soros. 
And Black Lives Matter is a leftist lie. Mr. Mr. Gray had to resign from the Alberta Judicial Vetting Committee that he was a part of. So his role up until he went down the, the George Soros um conspiracy theory there's some there's some other stuff that's in here there too that's pretty distasteful um but before he went down that that particularly rabbit hole he was part of the committee that was choosing judges for the province of alberta so that's that's fun but let's talk about sonia anderson for a sec by her own description her background is she has a bachelor's in physical education from roughly 30 years ago uh, she also claims to have discovered politicians only have access to the news and no other sources of information, despite the fact that there's an entire public service that exists to try to advise politicians once they're elected what they should do, what the best information is. And in some cases, not saying that this is going to be relevant later, but perhaps what the, the limitations of their their roles are. Now, to her credit, she did successfully fight off an ethanol plant that was going to be built in her community. She and a group of people did that. Um but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's like totes qualified to lead an org that is pushing an anti-vax rhetoric, alternative uh, treatments. And oh, yes, let's not forget about the letters, because one of the other things that their organization provides is a letter that anybody can print off and take to their physician to demand that they get access to ivermectin. Now, of course, there's a disclaimer at the bottom of this one as well that basically says the exact same thing as their disclaimer on their website. But it's pretty clear what they're after. They have this belief that ivermectin is the, the cure-all. It's a wonder drug. I want to be clear. For some things, ivermectin has established medicine that it's very, very good for. Um, but for other things, ivermectin is, is not good for. Like... COVID, it's been demonstrated. But they've got this letter people can take to their doctor to harass their physicians into, uh, into giving them uh, or trying to get them ivermectin. It's fascinating to me, as always, that we have these groups that are wildly anti-vax. And if you take a look at some of the testimonies that they included on that three-day panel they had in Toronto... There were a lot of people who were making some pretty bold claims about vaccines. There were a lot of people who were making some pretty bold claims about what they experienced because of vaccines. Now, these same people will advocate for taking a drug that has no demonstrable benefit and arguably harm for COVID. There's just dissonance there for me. But talking about that three-day panel, you have to know what's coming next. Who was the hosts that panel? Who were the, the people who ran the show in Toronto for three days listening to the anti-vax pro-ivermectin testimony? Opening moderator Trish Wood, warning-winning journalist and panel members, Preston Manning, formal leader of the federal opposition from 1997 to 2000, and then some other people too. So Preston Manning, who loosely referenced... This organization in his Fifty Shades of COVID fan fiction and who loosely referenced them in his press conference 
was so deeply entwined that he was a moderating panel member for three days in Toronto. But he's heard some things about what they do. Now, there's a few other things that we got to get out of the way here, because very clearly Preston Manning does have at least the perception of a bit of a bias here. But what's the role of the, the new official acquiry? Or inquiry, sorry, because he's he's left. He's he's he said, I'm going to leave that thing behind. I'm going to go on and do the good work of the Danielle Smith government. What does he have to say? Well, in an editorial that he wrote that was published just a couple days ago, the specific task of the panel would be reviewing the Alberta statutes that informed and authorized the government's response to COVID-19 and proposing amendments to such legislation that might better prepare the province to address future public health emergencies. That doesn't sound too bad because the courts did say, hey, you know what? It seems like there might have been some confusion in regards to the CMOH and what her powers were and how they could have been exercised. But wait, there's more. The panel will examine whether there are ways in which the government should amend legislation to improve the quality and breadth of the medical advice used in responding to future health emergencies and improve communications with the public during such emergencies. Which is actually kind of wild because he's clearly saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we should include some other medical ideas that aren't maybe based on evidence-based medicine maybe we should just i heard this there's these canadian covid care lines they 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 seem cool I, I i read their yelp interview but what's really fascinating is that last part doesn't appear anywhere in the actual terms of reference for the public health emergencies government panel review it's not in there the whole appendix that defines what the terms of reference are is on your screen right now if you're watching the the youtubes if not you should you should find our YouTubes and you can watch it. But it's also very publicly available. Uh, and nowhere in there does it talk about, hey, maybe we should expand the definition of medicine. It's not in there. But that's part of the thing that Mr. Manning is very clear in his editorial that was just published a couple days ago. It's what he wants to bring to the table. So already he's moving the goalposts not to where they're supposed to be. Not to where the, the, the confines of the rules are for this thing, but very clearly where he wants them to be. There was no correction issued for that editorial. Daniel Smith didn't come out and say, whoa, whoa I know he said that he wants to expand the definition of medicine maybe a little bit. Um, there was nothing. So again, we have, as you'll see, we have a little bit of a theme going on tonight. Somebody wandering off, maybe making up some rules on their own, and the premier of Alberta either not aware of it or silently being okay with it. Now, the one other question that we had to ask before we move on from the, the, the Manning situation is uh, if, uh, if you look on your screen here, we're bringing up the website for the Mr. Manning's National Citizens Inquiry. A little bar on the top there, home, about, commission. Oh, look, there's a donate button. This organization has been collecting funds since they launched. Mr. Manning said he wanted to have a budget of $2 million. Well, Daniel Smith was very clear. He had to abandon this. That's why we had to pay, Albertans had to pay him a quarter of a million dollars so that his sole focus, the quarter of a million dollars, he gets paid regardless of how much time he puts in, by the way. But that quarter of a million dollars 
that's to cover getting his full attention. He won't be working on anything else, which sort of begs the question. We have this official who in their private time raised a boatload of money and then got a government gig. Where's the money going to go? Is this going to be another super sweet tax donation right off to the JCCF? We don't have the means to, to get the answer to that question. We're almost at the big stuff because there was a story that dropped from CBC. Oh boy. January 19th, just a couple days ago. It's Corker. CBC reported that uh, the Alberta Premier's office contacted Crown Prosecution about the Coots case. And there's been a lot of speculation as to what was said. It's a weird story out of the gates. There's no question about that because CBC says they heard from multiple sources whose anonymity they're protecting because these people are afraid that if they came forward, they would lose their jobs. But CBC very clearly has enough. They've seen enough. They've heard enough. These sources are credible enough that they went ahead with the story. Now, one of the other things that's, the things that's really important to highlight is the two reporters that we're talking about. So the two reporters that wrote the story together are Megan Grant and Elise Van Schiel. These two reporters are two of the best political reporters that are in Alberta. Both of them have written major stories on major scandals in government over the last few years. These are top-notch people. They would not. It's inconceivable that they would come forward with this story if they didn't have bulletproof stuff to back it up. They wouldn't risk their rep professional reputations. They wouldn't risk damaging the lives of the people that are involved in this story. It just wouldn't happen. So there is a lot that we don't know. For sure. There's certainly a lot that's going to be playing out over the next little while. But the crux of the story is early on in the Daniel Smith administration in fall. So presumably we're talking right after she was uh, premier elect. Our premier designate. I don't know. It's on the bottom of this next slide here. Uh, yeah. Premier designate. She and her transition team took over the office of the premier after she won the leadership. And in, the, in that period of time, one of her staffers sent an email to prosecutors inquiring about, hey, so this Coots thing, um, you really think you need to prosecute that? Maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's another way to look at this. Who was the transition team at the time? Rob Anderson, who is the same Rob Anderson, who was a PCMLA, then a Wild Rose MLA. And then a PCMLA, and he's also a lawyer, and he's the author of the Free Alberta Strategy, and he was Daniel Smith's campaign chair. We've got Marshall Smith. We've got uh, Peter Guthrie, Erica Brutis, Chief Billy Morin, Jamie Mosson, Jonah Mosson, and Matt Solberg. Those are all the people who were involved in the in the transition. So conceivably, that's the the short list of people that. Uh, that we're potentially talking about who would have written these emails. Now, 
This is really problematic for a bunch of reasons. We've talked about it on the show before. Daniel Smith has actually said on multiple occasions on video that she herself has directly contacted the Crown Prosecutor's offices. She since walked that back and said, oh, no, no, even though I said it very deliberately twice, I, uh, I didn't mean it. I was I was being imprecise. What I meant to say was I actually talked to my attorney general, Tyler Shandro. I know I say crown prosecutor. This happens to everybody. Right. Um, despite the fact that she said that twice on video. She's now dealing with the fact that, that that's very, very bad because having an independent judiciary is really important. At the end of the day, we do not want, nor should anybody, regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum, we don't want anybody who's in elected office making decisions about who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. Do we really want to have a premier who gets to decide that her political rivals are going to be prosecuted for things? Do we really want to have a, a, a political government that gets to decide who doesn't get prosecuted, who gets a pass, who gets to do wildly illegal things and just get away with it because somebody from the premier's office made a phone call or sent an email. Regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum, whether you're the far right conservative or the far left woke, that should scare the crap out of you. But that's exactly what Danielle Smith said she did on video twice. And that's exactly what this story says a senior staffer of hers did as well. It's almost impossible to overstate how serious this is. There are certain cornerstones of society that we just need in order to function. And rule of law is absolutely one of them. We elect people to work within those systems, not override them. This is critically important. What has Danielle Smith said that, uh, that she's going to do to address this issue? Well, let's listen to the radio show. I want my caucus to understand uh, the nature of the story, the fact that they've done uh, a, a clarification that they don't have emails. They launched with a story that uh, we are now having to to verify. And I want my caucus to just be patient to, so as we go through the process. And uh, as soon as we see if the emails uh, exist, then we'll make sure that we have a, a, a presentation to the public. We'll know next week. If there are indeed emails and from what we have we know so far that it's just an allegation but if there are would you agree that it stretches credulity that a staffer knowing what's proper and what isn't would send anything of such consequence without someone higher up having knowledge as i said it is uh all of the communications i've had with the department have been appropriate it has been uh, through my attorney general and deputy attorney general, I, I was given legal advice very early on that that is the only appropriate way for me to be able to have those communications. And so uh, that's what I've done. And right. they've given me advice and I've taken it. Now, again, we just have to unpack that last little bit there. Very early on, she was given legal advice that she absolutely should only be speaking to the attorney general. Very early on, she was told that was the only appropriate pathway that she should follow. And yet, when she went on two far-right news networks, on video, on camera, aware that she was being broadcast and recorded, did she say that? No. 
what she said was, I've been talking to the crown prosecutors. I've been directing the crown prosecutors. So even if you want to believe that Danielle Smith misspoke, she misspoke despite the fact that she's explicitly acknowledging she was told, don't ever do that. Which is, at best, stunningly reckless and incompetent. But that's what the Premier of Alberta is saying that she did because reasons, I guess. Now, with all that being said, we're going to bring in our bigs because there have been a few developments that have gone on in the meantime and in between time. Sarah Biggs, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? There we go. How's it going? I'm not muted anymore. Your webcam we is off. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Hey. How are you? I'm apparently dealing with some minor technical difficulties. But well, why are you dealing with that? I got some fun facts about Preston Manning affiliations, if you want. Oh, I'm going to give you the full screen and let you do that while I try to solve this problem. Okay, so, you know, little things here. Uh, Preston Manning, um, his report is report of the COVID commission was published by the Frontier Center for Public Policy in Winnipeg. If we remember this week, there was a little bit of controversy, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday about Pierre Poliev attending an event there, and no questions from the media would be taken. I'd like to point out to some of their, you know, commentary, um, such as, just give me a second here. I was, uh, you know, doing a little bit of homework. Um, so the, um, just let me find it. God damn it, I lost it. Um, so they're saying that, you know, um, the book from 1889 about uh, First Nation is, you know, still a reality today. Um, they have, you know, published a lot of terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible things like um, briefing notes, like uh, here, no, sorry, uh, sorry, I lost my page. Essays here. If you go on the fccp.org, <laughs> A Distant Mirror of the Indians of Canada, written in 1889 by John McLean, Christian missionary. Philologist and ethnologist, the antagonism existing between the customs and intellects, lies with two races, and that there is despondency consequent upon the changed life of the Indians are important factors and frustrating relations. Um, there's another one that says, Out from the shadows, could Christian nationalism be the antidote to globalist tyranny? Oh my god. And then Preston Manning said in 2009 at the Canadian Science Policy Conference Center, if you go on page nine, we're going full circle. In order to get a better response to scientific proposals at the political level, Manning said that there needs to be politicians and senior staff with a background and interest in science. Something Canada is severely lacking at the moment. By Manning's count, there are only eight members of parliament with a real science background and the situation is even worse on the provincial level. When scientific issues comes up in caucus, who is the champion? Manning asked. 
This lack of scientific knowledge is reflected in the nominal attention given to science and political parody platforms and in frequent reference to science and political debates, despite the importance of many scientific issues, including health, the environment, and eco economic competition. Competitiveness, sorry for my Frenchness. In order to deal with this issue, Manning gave two suggestions. First, encourage political parties to recruit more science oriented candidates. And scientists could create a list of potential nominees to give to parties. Second, establish a parliamentary office of science and technology, similar to what the British have had for a number of years. Nate. It just hurts. I got I to gotta quickly tap in on something that Plain Power said in the comments here uh, because we have a couple of people who are like saying A1 reporters. I hope that comment was directed towards uh, Megan Grant and Elise Von Schild because as our bio is very clear, we're not journalists, hacks, pundits, satirists, all of those good things. Absolutely. But uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants uh, to be clear. And it just happens that I know a thing or hundred about politics exactly um <laughs> Sarah, so we had the we had the the very bad day of the the emails we saw yesterday that uh, daniel smith went ahead with her radio show it was uh probably one of the most negative radio shows that i think that that she's had yet there were a lot of people who were super unhappy and those are presumably through the carefully sorted comments and such but uh nonetheless it wasn't great and then we had us last night which was wild um for anybody who's not familiar one of the things that happened daniel smith and she kind of alluded to it in the the clip that we played a moment ago daniel smith had a, herself an emergency caucus meeting now sarah i'm gonna get you to speak to this a little bit because emergency caucus meetings don't happen very often, especially when it's like, hey, we just cut out of the legislature early. We're all enjoying our holidays. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot going on to, to have a, an emergency caucus meeting is, is one thing to throw it up on a Saturday afternoon when a lot of stuff's going on on the weekend. That's a, that's pretty unprecedented. How big of a deal is this? A big deal. Okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. So yesterday morning at noon, my battery was at 50%. That's how big my cell phone battery was at 50%. That's how big of a deal it was. Usually if there are some matters are not pressing or to have an emergency caucus meeting, there's A, something really, really, really bad is happening in the background. They need to try to kill it, contain it. Or there's enough members of caucus that are asking for an emergency meeting because they would like to address sometimes perhaps leadership issues. Perhaps, hypothetically. Perhaps. You know, I was not there. I'm not an elected official. But damn, Saturday at 4? It was called at 3.30 yesterday afternoon. Uh, sorry, Friday afternoon. The email was sent on at 3.30. So one's going to ask, like, so I have a few questions. I've been trying to find the information, but I haven't received anything yet. So the question is, was it called by caucus member that are 
horrified by what's happening right now and they're trying to fix it because ding dong election is coming and looming or b was it daniel smith trying to spin the issue before they um released their pre-chewed email and response on monday because they already decided what was going to happen they already decided what the outcome of it would be she's going to try to kill it in the egg. But well, this is, this I is have where the response, more questions. This is where the response is particularly interesting because what she said she's going to do is she's going to direct the IT department of the, the public service to, to take a look at all of the emails that were sent by her staff from their government emails to mm-hmm all of the crown prosecutors who received them at their government emails. But one of the things that has been well-documented is that the UCP has uh, adopted while in government, this practice of, well, we could use the official channels, but then there'd be a record. What if we use unofficial channels and then just delete everything as we go? This is something that is, has been publicly reported on. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. I just want to throw up this little graphic here because this makes me giggle. Despite the fact that this is well-established practice, despite the fact that the Daniel Smith is, is clearly limiting the investigation that's happening mm-hmm. over the weekend to the government stuff only, not personal email accounts, not things like Slack, not things like WhatsApp that we know her government caucus uses – Signal, Telegram. What did uh, what did what did oh, Daniel Smith have to say yes. before? Oh, well, yes. back in 2011, Danielle Smith was very, very clear how she felt about who should be using what kind of information and how, and she was pretty unimpressed with the mm-hmm. idea that uh, uh, former Tech Minister uh, Ted Morton had potentially been. Uh, shredding documents and deleted information when he left. The quote that I want to read is at the bottom. It is essential that our Burton's able to find out what ministers are discussing and who they are discussing it with. I hope Frederick Lee Morton can assure Albertans nothing untoward was destroyed in his office, but now that it's gone, there's simply no way to know. So Danielle Smith, a decade ago when she was in government, she felt it was very important that Albertans had access to transparency. And yet, She's doing this half-baked, half-assed investigation over the weekend where she's clearly going to be able to say, because the rumor, and I have to be very clear, this is just rumor, but the rumor is that the messages that were sent were not sent through those government pathways. Yeah, that, that inquiry is as transparent as my grandmother's cataracts. We'll put it that way. There we go. So it's, Daniel it's Smith nothing. is presumably going to be able to release a performative Hey, everybody, we lucked we into it. it. And <laughs> there, were, there were no notes left on anyone's desktop that we saw. And none of my staff said that they, they did it. So there must not be anything to it. Now, where this gets interesting for me is um, based on some of the, the things. Every, 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 I think a lot of people know we've got little birds that, that whisper in our ear from time to time. Um, oh, did they ever <laughs> bust? What? This was interesting, though, because the caucus meeting happened. And normally after a caucus meeting, any caucus meeting, there's always like a, hey, everybody, we met and we chatted about things. There was a wonderful cheese plate. Jason Nixon's still very tall. He wasn't didn't have very much to say. Seems he's, like he's so tall. Um, like, I'm 5'3", and I'm a midget compared to him. 
But there's usually some sort of a, yeah. a statement or press release. We saw yeah. during um, some of the caucus meetings that happened when Mr. Kenny was having his leadership woes, people were running in and out to keep the reporters updated. It was Wait. radio silence last night on all even, fronts. Even the usual people are keeping us informed or keeping the media informed or keeping everyone informed. It was extremely... So until Holly <laughs> texted me last night... Um, it was late and we were like, something's up. Um, it's not normal because usually, you know, after when there was like, there were like meetings after, uh, about Kenny's leadership or, you know, or people would be in front of McDougal, journalists would be there and questions would be asked and people would, you know, elected officials would comment. We have seen none of that. I know that uh, there was an online version for the meeting, an online option. So maybe that's why we didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, or, you know. Uh, uh, apparently the meeting lasted now. Eh? This is what, this is what we're, we're hearing, is that the meeting only lasted we're hearing. an hour. Allegedly um, the meeting. Allegedly. So this is all, again, unconfirmed. Rumors. This is just our regular folks that have consistently been fairly accurate. Do they what they you have will. a good scorecard. They, 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 they have a good scorecard. As as I said earlier, in a bizarre twist, there have been no statements made about the the emergency caucus meeting to determine whether or not one of Danielle Smith's staff tried to subvert democracy. Apparently, that's yeah, not something I, that we issue a statement on. But uh, I don't think what it's, we've it was told, just about. It was just not about that, Nate. Though. Well, we're going to get to that in a sec. What we've been told is that uh, it lasted over an hour and caucus is, and this isn't the first time we've heard it, caucus is quite split. Half of the people are like standing behind Daniel Smith going woo. The other half are legitimately quite concerned, not only the nature of the allegations, but the implications of what it's going to look like for a provincial election that may or may not be happening in May. Um, Smith is apparently quite confident that uh, the the internal audit, as everybody we just finished talking about, is largely almost certainly performative. Um, she thinks it's going to exonerate her and her staff. Um, the Smith was clear on her radio show, and it's consistent with, with, with what we're being told as well, that the internal government emails will be released early next week. Uh, and Smith's largely going to say, well, that's it, folks. That's all. We did our investigation. It's all good. Now, Again, I want to highlight that I simply cannot believe. Here's here's where I got to go. Danielle Smith lies. It's just the reality. Danielle Smith lies a lot. The two reporters are some of the most ethical, professional reporters that exist in the Alberta politics scene. So on the balance of just those two things, I mean, I kind of know who i'm lining up with yeah it's and you know for them to come out with a story like that it's a it's because it fits a certain behavior that we have been seeing from the premier's office for a while no for sure b they had to double triple quadruple and quintuple check we're talking about the cbc we're not talking about the western standard here we're like, oh, they're here campaigning. Or the like, breakdown, in all fairness. Or the breakdown or whatever. <laughs> like, so, 
you know, they have, so I know, I know some people have issues with that, but there's journalistic etiquette and ethics. So ethics is a big word. Maybe some people would like to look it up because it's very, very complicated. And, you know, it kind of have to make you act in good faith and as a good person and doing something for the public interest and the electorate's good, not just for your own. You know, it's it's very complicated. Um, but what we need to understand is that the CBC would have never greenlit. So that story probably went through the lawyers about a hundred times. They seeked opinion. They talked to a lot of people. They So basically, when you're hearing a rumor or something's happening, you call a person, then you call somebody else from the other side, then you call someone in the middle. And if you're hearing constantly the same thing over and over again, then usually the story has legs. But the CBC would have never greenlit such an article just by a whiff or a whim. It's not a fart. It is something that is probably happening. And Half Caucus is horrified. I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen this week because if Half Caucus is horrified right now and that was the drop in the bucket that makes it spill, I remember last week, Nate, I said they have about two to three weeks to act. I still stand by it. You know? well, if, if, if this is where, you know, and, and here's, Sorry, here's I'm going to have my idea. orange. You have your orange. Here's a couple of the other things that I wanted to address because one of the, the, the counter arguments has been, well, you know, we haven't heard anything from the, the crown prosecutor's office. They're not saying very much. Maybe I'm wrong. It certainly wouldn't be the first time there. Are, there are definitely people who argue that I, I make an art form out of being wrong. We all have to be good at something, but um, it would seem to me plausible that Given that this CBC reached out to the Crown Prosecutor's Office and said, hey, we'd love to get a comment on this situation. What do you guys think? We're told that one of the staffers from the Premier's Office not only violated protocol, standards, ethics, laws. Interfered. But they interfered in the administration of justice, or at least attempted to. Um, what do you think? If if I'm the person on the other end of that phone call, after I do my like, I don't know, I don't know anything, man. This is news to me. Let me uh let me let me see what I can figure out. Um the no very comment. next phone call that I'm gonna make is to the people who do their own investigations. And at that point, when there's an internal investigation going on with the Crown Prosecutor's office, everybody it's done. No more talking about any of the things because they gotta figure out what they the hell's will going not. On. So I'm not a lawyer. Granted, please, please, I'm not a lawyer. I really am not. So we need to understand that when something is being investigated, it's going to look a lot like the RCMP investigation in 2018 leadership, 2017 leadership. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, some progress was made. But right now, we're at the very, very, very beginning. And the Crown Prosecutors, if they are doing it right, and if the processes work properly, they will not be commenting on the matter whatsoever until they can 
pinpoint it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I would make sign affidavits to all of the 34 staffers in the PM in the premier's office. Well, this is the question that we asked in our, our little thread earlier today, once we started to get yeah. the, the, the little birds starting talking again. But like, if I was Rachel Notley right now, if I was, uh, Barry Morishita, Barry Morishita, uh, any, any, any political person of any political, uh, impact or sway, I would be saying, okay, here's the deal. If you're going to produce this thing that says the internal emails had nothing to do with it, that's cool and everything. But can you get every single one of your staff members to sign an affidavit saying that they have never contacted the Crown Prosecutor's Office using any pathways whatsoever? And if you can't get all 34 of those staffers to say, no, I've never tried to subvert democracy or break the law in that way. That's pretty telling to me. Think they're going to do it? Are we going to see that, that call from, from any of the Alberta Party or NDP folks? I don't know. Like, um, they seem to be swinging in different ways every single day. Maybe they should have a press conference about it tomorrow. But, um, you know, um, the only way to settle this is with an independent investigation. Independent. Hand it over. So there's a lot of questions that the public could ask. Was the office of the premier compromised? Are there any crown prosecutors that are not, you know, the question needs to be asked. Like, are there are there crowd you know if, if this was the crown prosecutor playing kosher? Yeah. It's, if there was personal communication to personal communication, if that's what happened, which is some of the speculation, then are there crown prosecutors that are in any way compromised? That's a fair question to ask. It doesn't mean that they are, to be clear. I'm yeah, not saying so, any, I'm not casting any aspersions. No, but if we no, can't ask that not. question, we got big problems. So um, there's an article that was released um, Global News at quarter to six tonight. And apparently, um, as per Mr. Rick McIver and Mr. Gene, the uh, premier has the full support of caucus. So I don't know how. So there's a few things that could happen. Be like, hey, guys, your job's at risk. I'm going to pull the election. Everybody's going to go down in flames. That could be number one. There's a lot of in windows or a lot of you know suggestions that could, could be done. A lot of things that could be insinuated. A lot of things can be said. Um, I'm wondering if they have had the proper conversation and if anyone has had the cojones to stand up and say enough. Enough is enough. Like, I was looking at some polling numbers this week and it's disastrous right now, even the original. It, it is absolutely disastrous. So what is there to do for them? Will half the caucus that is divided, of course they're going to show unity. Of course they're going to be sending their people. And, you know, got to be like, you are going to say this and you are going to say that. And they have to remain on script, unlike the premier. Well, let's but remember... Brian Jean, when it comes to his objectivity and his ability to sort through the accuracy and reality of the situation, the day before 
amendments were introduced to the Sovereignty Act, stood up at a press conference and said, hey, you know what? Sovereignty Act's perfect the way it is. Brian Jean, who used to be a lawyer, there's nothing, no two changes that need to be made. It's all good. It's fantastic. Best act ever. You're going to love it. He did that. So for Brian Jean, the same guy who gave the full-throated endorsement of the Sovereignty Act that was subverting democracy and giving MLAs the power to write laws on their own without any kind of oversight, for him to say, nah, that's cool, and the next day for the amendments to be over, I don't know that perhaps his ringing endorsement of Smith carries a whole lot of weight in this moment. Yeah. You know, a lot of ministers are being put on script. They like to do that because sometimes they can perceive them as threats. So they like to keep them on a tight leash. Let's just put it that way. Um, sometimes you have your ministers that are really good at what they're doing, but they would be considered like un- ungovernable. Ungovernable? Ungovernable? Um, and they are put on a tight leash and press secretaries are there and they are watching. So it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen this week. But let me tell you this. Caucus is not filled with Mensa members. Albertans are seeing what is happening. And some charges were dropped last week. And some of the cases in the coots matter. Albert, I have a feeling that Albertans will not let that one go. And I hope they won't let that one go. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about a premier who wants to implement her own police force. God help me. Wants to implement her own Alberta tax revenue agency. Holy crap. Who, depending on the media she's talking to, cannot keep a story straight or changes her story completely to adapt to the crowd that she's talking to. So it's either she's extremely disingenuous or she's just pandering to whomever is listening to her, depending on the news out there. So we need to be careful. We need to watch what's happening. Guys, email your MLAs. Knock on their doors. Tell them you're concerned. Write emails. Call the premier's office. I'm not calling for a rebellion here. I'm just saying, if you guys are unhappy, do something. Because... The MLAs will hear you. They will see your feedback. They will see your emails. They have to respond to every single email. You are allowed and authorized to express your concern as Albertans. Just like we did for education, just like a lot of us did for healthcare, we need to keep the pressure on because. We are talking, you know, they're talking about freedom of speech and what about the good old conservative values of following the rule of law? Again, we're going back to good old conservative values. But what we're seeing now is more a holy fuck, it's turning to a Republican kind of banana republic instead of a parliamentary system the premier says does things you know freedom of speech is fine but it has consequences and like you know you're free to do whatever you want but there are consequences if somebody wants to drive their vehicle inebriated 
there are consequences to it. You haven't filed your taxes for 50 years, you don't get your Canada Pension Plan. There are consequences for not following the rule of law. Like not getting your vaccine, you can't get on the plane. That's easy. It's normal. Everybody was lining up to get the damn polio vaccine 1950s. Ask my neighbor. He would have loved to have the polio vaccine. He's 75 and he's walk walking with a walker because in Israel, didn't have access to the polio vaccine on time and he was one of the victims. Conversations matter, words matter, and everything has consequences. There's always the return of the balance that's going to smack in the nose. Can I read it, one of the, the quotes from that article? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, just can't. Um, in in the ringing endorsement category, uh, <laughs> we have we have this quote from from Mr. Gene. What I did do was listen, and I made sure I was attentive. I didn't need to be there, but it was a great meeting, and I'm glad we had it. <laughs> I just are they being told to play footsies <laughs> with everybody because they want to? I understand oh, the need of not wanting to deal with your dirty laundry in public. Brilliant. But at this point, we're talking infraction of justice here. We're talking with interference of justice and compromising the criminal justice system, for God's sakes. And it's not like it's unprecedented because, again, the current deputy premier is the ex-justice minister who had to step down because he was found to have tried to interfere in the administration of justice. Like, this is not wildly off-brand. And it's, it's quite... I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see whether or not, um, uh, I mean, wow, Wednesday's going to be a fun show because if Smith comes out and says, we did our little internal investigation, we didn't find anything, I've never heard of WhatsApp, um, then, or Signal, or Slack, or, 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 um, if that's what she comes out with, I mean, I'm, I haven't I'm seen- I'm going to be hurling. I'm going to be so mad. Like, fuck's sakes. Like, why? Do they really think we're that stupid? Does she really think? Uh, no, I don't know on Facebook. It's a set pool. Good choice. Sorry, guys. And just put pictures of my baby to update my family back east. But why? Are, so here's what I'm going to have to say. We have the chance to do things right again. We have the chance to show that whatever you want to call it, conservative it is time to do the right thing, guys. It's time to wake up. I don't give a shit about party unity right now. There's major, major incidences that are happening on major cases, and we're just going to let it go? Being elected is a privilege. And you uphold responsibility when you're sitting in those chairs. And, and you have to have the provinces and Auburn's best interest first. Put your ideology book on the side. Put your goddamn advisor that is going haywire every day and just posting stupid shit on Twitter. Sorry, I'm going to fix my phone. Writes a ridiculous Alberta sovereignty hack that turned into a very expensive web page 
super tiger. Have we had enough yet? Once again, where are the moderates? Where are people that know they have a brain? Where are they? Have they been muzzled? Have they been threatened to lose their nomination? Is back Alberta going after them? Because that's another thing and a half. I'm sick of it. It's not a democracy anymore. It's turning into a goddamn kerfuffle of poop. <laughs> you kind of ran out of steam at the end there. <laughs> I think my husband's watching, so I'm trying to behave. But we are at a turning point, and we have time to do the right thing. I'm, like I said in an interview before, I'm tired of trying to define what is left and what is right. When what we need to do right now is the right thing to do. Put Albertans first. Put your ideology or party. You know, sorry, I was told that I need to stop talking when I'm adjusting it. <laughs> and when I yell, it kind of pops out. So, you know, put the party ideology, you know, outside the box for once. And really think about what your mother would think of you if you follow and support something that's driving the province into a goddamn wall. I'm angry. I well, really I, am angry. I want to get before before we 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 come up to our hour and a half mark. I do want oh, to get uh, uh, I do oh. want to get your thoughts on the the Manning sitch. How's that going to go? quarter million dollars he gets to choose his panel and as uh we walked through it the first uh half of the show so bias uh, maybe <laughs> so a good friend of mine offered me a emergency ambience candle it's called crisis wine i don't drink and it's called holy big drama so just let me light that on first before i talk so i can find my zen <laughs> it's the angriest match light i think i've seen in a long time I'm an ex-smoker, so, you know, it's, uh... but no, it's extremely bad. It's going to be like, seriously, we're going to see, oh, who do you think they're going to be calling? Alberta's favorite doctor who wrote a letter mm. saying that 80 no, patients, no, 80 adults. No, no, like, no, 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 but that's where we're at, Nate. I know, but I don't want to. I, I know, but eco chambers are toxic. Eco chambers are dangerous especially when it is driven by misinformation and far-right, racist, anti-scientific, Jesus pusher. I'm sorry if anyone's, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, Catholics that goes to mass, like using like Christian white nationality identity. That That's what I'm talking, like the Jesus guns and baby crowd. Sorry, I should have been more precise. But we need to pay attention. We need to speak up. And guys, I cannot stress that enough. Volunteer. Either it's with your teachers, participate to some of those panels they're having right now. Um, you know, participate, save. Whatever is your area of interest, oil and gas, there's a door knock with an association you care for. Reach out here, Emily's. They're paid to listen to you, by the way. They are. So they don't have a choice. Citizen engagement will be key this time around. We do not have a choice because if we don't do anything, 
either to try to save, you know, some conservatives, some PCs right now are really, really, really upset. And I'm not PCs were perfect. Nobody's perfect in politics. Let's just get that straight. There's less worse people and there's really, really bad people. Pick, pick who you want to support. If the conservatives want to try to save the conservatives from turning into a very, very worrisome American style, Republican populism kind of leadership. And we do nothing to stop that because it does not mean it's not conservatism. It's populism. We've been saying that for a year and a half, Nate, and we will not stop saying it. Do something because if no one, if everybody's just sitting there on their benches and not doing anything, guess what, guys? That one's going to be on us. Yeah. I don't disagree. I, I think that the Manning thing is 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 just it's bullshit. It's is... pre-chewed bullshit. It's ready to go to the printer already. It's all preconceived notions. It's all pre-chewed stuff. He's going to take from his stupid inquiry with some favorite Alberta favorite doctors. I cannot name because they're going to try to sue me again. Oh no, wait, they're going to try to go to court and ask them if they could sue me. That's a different thing. But, um, you know, don't participate. Don't pay attention to it. Don't give it any legs. They're spending $2 million on that piece of bull crap. Do we want to see what we went, where we went wrong, what we should have done better? Absolutely. But when it comes from an extremely biased view, looking for divergent medical opinions or medical professionals that have not been listened to because hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, aka horse base, are not treatments. So ivermectin is a treatment for what? Parasites, right? Oh, shocking. Guys, let's listen to the real doctors. Let's listen to the ones that have fought at the front lines and have been dealing with full ICUs for three years almost. And, and maybe haven't had their board certifications revoked. You know, when you use your license to practice, usually something's wrong. Just saying. It's true. I'm not naming anyone. Nope, we didn't say. Oh no, I'll I'll say that McCullough lost his his board certification because I had the. Yeah, that's fine. I got the receipts. He's for not that. gonna try to. You got the receipts. Well, we got the receipts for everybody. They just don't like it for the ego. Yeah. Because they googled their name fifteen times a day and they're trying to see who's talking about them, and then they stalk you everywhere and then they send you threats and it's like ah, oh. then you just block them. There I call them frequent flyers. I got emails from one of them for a while. He, he, he got off Twitter. Um, yeah. I think because they forced him off he got, and he, he, he got found suspended. my email address. And like once a week I was getting like, uh, here's all the reasons why you're wrong. And also, did you know about X, Y, Z? And it was just like, I'm never going to reply to you, man. I don't get it. Well, the thing is that I mandated to have my email address public because I don't want to There you go. Um, other than the performative release of the internal email. What her emails? Um, what are you watching for this week, Sarah Biggs? Am I going to say it again? Oh, am okay. I going to say it again? Hold on a second. I'm going to I'm going to put that on pause because for the first time in like weeks, we've got somebody on the Twitter Spaces who wants to say something, and I want to see if it works. Oh, so, me. So fingers crossed. 
let's see if we can get the the person going because like i love that we have the twitter spaces thing and i got this whole mess of gear over here to make sure that it works so lynn say something let's see if this works hi nate how are you tonight oh it works i'm great (laughs) (laughs) okay well i was gonna ask sarah how i could join the manning inquiry but she kind of blew that out of the water um I just want to say one thing. I was at Malanka in Fort McMurray last night. It was a wonderful, wonderful event. And it horrifies me that the people cleaning the tables who are single without kids are getting zero money while our dinosaur, Preston Manning, is getting a quarter million dollars. Like people, I mean, Sarah's already said it. I've been told many times when I make phone calls, emails are more efficient because they have to respond to them. So I will be doing that tomorrow. Phone calls, emails, whatever. We just need to get this out there because this province that I was born and raised in 65 years ago is turning into a shit show. That's all I want to say. Well, I don't disagree with you, Lynn. And uh, thank you for for writing your 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 MLA. I can tell you that I I have I've spoken with mine, uh, and I have had correspondences where I have expressed my concerns. And it's it's it really is. I mean, the one of the best things that that these elected officials can hear from people is that they are playing a dangerous game and they are, they are eroding their support. And I know that you've spoken on the show before where you've talked about the, your, your husband has had some changes. Yeah. Stage four cancer that apparently caused himself. I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's healthier than I am, but you know, whatever. I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. No, you know what? The thing is, he was diagnosed with it within six days. So what we could have done to change that, I don't know. His diagnosis was 12 to 16 months in 2015. And the man is still alive, volunteering for the Arctic Winter Games, grooming Birchwood Trails, Because you have stage four people doesn't mean it's a death sentence. Yeah. yeah. No, I know some people that had. I better be quiet. Stage, <laughs> I, I know some people that had four stage con, uh, stage four colon cancer and they have fully recovered. Absolutely. With the right medicine, the right care, the right attitude, the right supports. Absolutely. You can recover. I hope he, I hope he will keep doing good. I, I hope he enjoys the Arctic winter games. Yeah. With vaccination. That's awesome. All right. Thanks again, Lynn. Not only for, 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 for sharing stuff, but you just gave me proof of concept on this ridiculous assemblage that I have over to my right here. They said that you couldn't route Twitter spaces audio into a live stream. And the 46 year old punk rocker who has too much audio gear said, Oh, I, 
bet you can. And you just proved that we could. So I want to say a big thank you for that because nobody's been saying anything on the Twitter spaces for like two weeks. And I've been dying to find out if I actually made it work. We've been too angry. We've been way, way, way too angry. Scaring people away. If anybody else on the Twitter spaces wants to weigh in before we shut it down, love to hear from you. We know we can now. Um, in the meantime, I want to say a big thank you. Wow, the chat was super active tonight, which was I'm gonna have to go check really great to see. Thank you for everybody there. Um, yeah, other than the the emails, anything else we should be expecting to watch? I'm really worried something else gonna blow up. No, you can't say that because you said that on Wednesday, and on Thursday, the email story came out. <laughs> There we go. It's going to be terrible. Thanks. Sarah. I'm going to go now. I blame you entirely. Oh, my back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before Sarah dies, um, I'm in my rollback. <laughs> there we go. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who hung out on the live stream tonight, everybody who uh, hung out on the Twitter spaces. Um, and we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to be doing another, another one of our shows. It is almost certain that there will be plenty more to talk about. Um, because that's the world we live in now. But in the meantime, and in between time, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love nothing more than if you thought about maybe signing up to be one of our, our Patreon sponsors. If you got a, maybe, maybe you're getting an extra hundred bucks a month at the end of the month, and you're like, what am I going to spend this hundred bucks of this affordability payments on? I know what would really piss Danielle Smith off. I'm going to give five bucks of it to The Breakdown. That'll make her crazy. You can even tweet it out. It'll be fun. Sarah's got Can something I, to say. Sorry, I forgot to say something. So, we, you know, we were talking about education, get involved in all that. I heard that um, they are holding education roundtables across the province right now. And I think there's one Nerdry, Cochrane, Medicine Hat, and Calgary this week. Check it out. Get involved. You know, just... Just saying, like it's examples like that. Sorry, I'm I'm good now. This is going to make like the the clumsiest sag in the history of sags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at it. But uh, so we've got a Patreon page, <laughs> and uh, if you want to piss oh. Danielle Smith off, then then sign up at the at our Patreon page www.patreon.com slash the breakdown ab. Make sure that you tweet it out at Daniel Smith ab. Um, and maybe even at free Alberta Rob, that could be fun too. Um, because, uh, you know, ambiently raising somebody's blood pressure is never a, a bad thing. Um, so there we go. Uh, big thank you to all the people who are currently our Patreon sponsors. I know that I've been talking about it for a little while now. Um, but our, our little, our fun little episode on a certain far right media group. We're so close to done. The, the, it's I'm I'm so excited to share it with you all, and our Patreon sponsors will be getting early access to that because they get early access to all of our interview episodes and uh, all of our little special little one offsies. So yeah, you can sign up at www.patreon.com/slash/breakdownab. Sarah, any other final thoughts for the evening? It's going to be one hell of a week, guy. Pick and choose who you're listening to. Pick and choose what you're reading. And be opinion, opinionated. Oh, and Maddie counted up to five today. I need to brag. That's better than me most days. 
I get to four and I get all confused. I go back down to three. I don't, I don't know what it is. Numeracy, literacy. Yeah. A... We've been doing math though. Did you know that, you know, if there's like only like 30 UCP caucus members, they're like, you know what? We're, we're not liking what we're seeing right now. They could pretty much relegate the UCP to the opposition. I'm just saying, I, we did some math late tonight yesterday and, you know, numbers matter. I want to leave everybody on a, on a happy little thought here just before we do the yes. sign off. Um, because, you know, one thing is important to keep in mind is that the, the premier of Alberta does listen when people tell her things. BS detector evolved over time. Uh, I tend to be pretty trusting. I'll never get tired of that. Thank you, everybody, so much for uh, for hanging out tonight. We will see you on Wednesday. In the meantime, take care of each take care of yourselves and each other, and keep the conversation going.